you're listening to Mystic Magic, Exploring Our Spirit to Understand Our Lives. I'm Celeste Frazier, your host, and today's show is going to be wonderful. It's called We Belong to Each Other, and my guest is Reverend Jeffrey Kailoa Ryan. He's a minister, a social activist, and a racial justice advocate. It'll be a good show. Stay tuned. Hey, hey, Mystic Magic fans. We are going to have a lovely show today. I am so grateful that our guest today is Reverend Jeffrey Kealoa Ryan. He is the Senior Minister and Spiritual Director of the Riverside Center for Spiritual Living in Riverside, California. Reverend Jeffrey has been there at Riverside since 2018. He's grounded in spiritual principle. He delivers his messages in a fun and relaxed and relatable way. He lovingly and playfully calls his congregation to a higher consciousness on a regular basis. Reverend Jeffrey is deeply committed to living the science of mind, teaching out into the world in practical and transformative ways. He is highly involved in the larger community of Riverside and the Inland Valleys. And his personal covenant is connect deeply, live consciously, love fiercely, and he does that daily. He and his husband, Ed Ryan, who is a religious science practitioner, met at a class at the Center for Spiritual Living in Greater Las Vegas in 2009. And so we see that this amazing teaching does transforming things. And they have two dogs, Oliver and Paisley. Welcome, Reverend Jeffrey. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you, Reverend Celeste. I'm very excited to be here. Ah, well, now you're at Riverside. And I have a tender spot in my heart for that community. Now, how did you end up getting there? I mean, it's something pulled you into Riverside. Yes. Um, in the class that I, where I met my husband, I saw a vision for my ministry. And it was a vision of me standing on a platform with a wall of windows behind me. And outside those windows, there were trees behind me. And so that's just a vision that I've carried with me since 2009. And then in fall of 2017, I was attending a Joel Goldsmith conference here at the Mission Inn here in Riverside. And I was invited to be the guest speaker at Riverside Center for Spiritual Living. And I walked in the sanctuary doors and there in front of me was the window with the trees and I knew I was home. They were without a senior minister at that time. And so it wasn't, you know, I didn't even have the thought of candidating or anything. And then that day we were there and the children's choir sang, Use Me. One of my favorite mm. songs by Ricky Byers with a beautiful mystical consciousness that song carries. And I was like, wow, I'm home. And then as people were coming through the line at the end, the core council president asked if I would be interested in candidating. And I was like, oh, sure. So um, <laughs> fast forward a few months, I got a letter of call to come down and consult and help them move through some processes. And within three months of me doing that, they were ready to offer me an extended letter of call. And so I became the, the senior minister 
I started here in March of 2018 and immediately found myself embraced by this community. We have a beautifully diverse community here in Riverside and a very active community. And our community is very active. They were wanting to be more active in Riverside and the Inland Valleys as a whole. And I immediately was able to connect with folks in the larger community and we're off and running. So it's... Yeah, I was very impressed with you at the conference in Denver earlier this year with your social justice passion. Mm-hmm. Now, how was that passion birthed and what keeps you so committed to doing that work? <laughs> I would say the passion was birthed. It's kind of always been there. My grandmother really taught us by example, compassion. My great-grandmother lived with my grandparents and we would spend every summer with our grandparents in Lakewood, California here. And just seeing and observing and growing up with the constant caretaking and compassion and service and being of service and in service to others was something that was just, I don't even recall learning it. It was just part of you know our family and part of the way we grew up and part of the way we nurtured. And so I've always been an advocate of wanting to improve things, wanting to make things better for the larger whole, not just for myself, but for the larger whole. And I've always had this sense of wanting to give back. If I've received something, generosity or love or what have you, I always want to give back and contribute back. So how it came about here is that's just, it's just a natural extension of that. And we had a, shortly after I took over here, is when the children were being separated from their families at the border. And so there was going to be the march uh, for Families Belong Together. And there was a congregant who's like, we need to do something sooner. Can we do a peace vigil? Can we do a vigil? Can we do something? I was like, okay. And so in three and a half days time, uh, I organized a, a vigil for Families Belong Together, tapped into these new contacts that I had in Riverside. And we had 150 people show up to this vigil with the Riverside Resistance Revival Chorus and interfaith, all kinds of interfaith and everything for this issue. And out of that and some of the different speakers that we had, connections were made, deeper connections were made. And so now I work with Inland, uh, excuse me, Interfaith Movement for Human Integrity. And we go to Adelanto, which is the state's largest ICE detention center. And we do the work of accompaniment with asylum seekers, helping secure their freedom, helping secure bond. We also do vigils and everything. So it was that was where we first got involved here in Riverside. And then it's expanded into our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness, as well as foster care, foster youth. And so all three of those things kind of work together the intersectionality of those things all have similar roots, common roots. And so we are also right. then working with other nonprofit organizations and that. So the work is deeply important now, to me. So I remember there being a homeless issue there many years ago. Yes. And at the time, the congregation wasn't quite sure how to handle it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What have you been doing with the houseless Yes. Riverside. So Riverside is a housing first community. The, the city of Riverside is a housing first city, meaning that we are focused on getting our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness into permanent supportive housing first and foremost. So I sat on the board of Family Promise, which helps uh, families experiencing homelessness. I was one of the original board members for the Riverside chapter of Family Promise. And then 
We work with Path of Life, which is the local, the largest local shelter and agency that provides wraparound services. And now we have the Office of Homeless Solutions working with Path of Life, working with congregations, and working with the three universities in our area that have social work programs. So the social work interns are now being embedded with the communities and being able to provide outreach directly from within the communities themselves. So um, this is our second year participating in that program. So we have an intern from one of the local universities that is a social work intern that is working with us to create programs and find solutions and provide services and also redoing a little bit of our, our campus because we do sit in a neighborhood, but we also sit right next to Fairmont Park, which is the largest park in the city. So redoing some bits on our campus too to make it safer for our neighbors and safer for our neighbors experiencing homelessness as well. Now you've also been doing some work around racial justice. What have you been doing there? Yes. So we have been doing conscious conversations in our community as well. As I mentioned, our community is wonderfully diverse and inclusive. So I'm very blessed that way. So we're, we have a heads up or a, a leg up on that um, as far as our group goes. We've been working with ICUC, which is the Inland Congregations United for Change, as well as Time Done to support our brothers and sisters and siblings who have been impacted by the system and who have been released back into society and helping support them with providing services and working on expungement issues and working to change policy at the local level as well as the state level. So we've been involved with policy advocacy work as well. Now, Reverend Jeffrey, you were an ally to me online in a moment when I felt misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And you knew that people of color are not expected to be the teachers of racial justice, though we often are. Yes. How did you come to understand that? And was it a hard-learned lesson? <laughs> no, it was not a hard-learned lesson. I can say that. How did I come to understand that? I am from Hawaii. I grew up in Hawaii. So the diversity is diversity and inclusion you know, and equity are a natural part of the way of being there more so than in a lot of other places. So it's something that's been, it's, again, it's the way I was just brought up, you know, appreciating and being culturally fluent across cultures has just been a very deep and personal thing for me. It's been, you know, it's just been there. Where I first began doing this work was when I lived in Japan and I was teaching in a Japanese high school and we helped develop a international studies program And Japan is a very homogeneous society for the most part. And there is a lot of overt racism and a lot of covert racism. And I wanted my students to really understand what was going on in their society, but there really was no context to be able to provide that. And so I had the opportunity to have, I had the series Eyes on the Prize from PBS that also had Japanese subtitles. 
And so I began teaching them using the experiences and using Eyes on the Prize as a tool to begin talking about discrimination and policy and all the things that are in place and suppression and oppression. And then I brought in Jane Elliott's work as well with the blue eyes, with the blue eyes, brown eyes experiment. We called it the color game and I gave them different colored armbands to wear and then set up scenarios so that they were discriminating against one another and oppressing one another. And by the end of that series of work, they really had a deeper understanding okay. and lives were changed. But it's, it's really from that time forward, I was blessed to have some wonderful friends there who were from the United States, actually from your hometown area, they're from Chicago, and who were women of color who were able to share the materials with me. And we worked together to begin that process there. So it was, it was very early on that I knew not to ask, that I wasn't expecting anybody to teach me, that this was mine to learn, mine to do, mine to educate myself about, and then remind others that it is our work to do, to educate ourselves. That, you know, if somebody gives us the gift of feedback and education, I graciously receive it. But at no point do I expect that. Okay. At no point do I expect that. Well, I know that I was appreciative of how I felt held and respected. And it it wasn't a common dialogue at that time. So I I remember that. And I I get that (laughs) you've been gentle and compassionate based on your background. How's your journey with the LGBTQIA Ben, I know, you know, hey, you're not the first family that's been on Mystic Magic uh, and you Uh won't be the last. Uh And, you know, you get it anyway and then you clergy on top of it. So (laughs) what's your journey been like? Yeah. And then then throw clergy on it too. I came out um, when I was 22. (laughs) I came out... uh, as gay when I was 22. I came out as clergy, you know, not too long ago, but I came out as gay um, <clears throat> at the age of 22. <laughs> my family, my mother and my grandparents were very accepting. My biological father was not. He took the position of love the sinner, hate the sin, so which did not feel like unconditional love. And so there was a lot of unresolved angst and that relationship was broken for a very long time mm-hmm. um, until I found science of mind. And I had the aware I had the awakening that is like, you know, I've expected unconditional love from him, but I've not been showing unconditional love to him. And when I made that shift within me, the relationship changed. And so we had a healing just before mm-hmm. his passing. So that was really mm-hmm. powerful. But as far as like my husband and his family, my family, I you know, I'm out at work, obviously. It's been a positive experience overall. It took me a little bit longer to come out. Okay. Just I'm fifty three now. Wow. Um, so I was coming of mm-hmm. age right in the middle of the AIDS epidemic and all that. So I really was like I didn't do anything. I was like, whoa, you know, so it was a long time, but I came out, but it was still a long time before I entered into my first relationship. Okay. 
So but you proceeded here, with caution. I proceeded with caution, yeah. <laughs> um, but you knew who you were. But I knew who I was. I've known who I was for a long time. You know, I think a lot of us, you know, little kids, you know that something's different, you know. So, but yeah. So, but as it, then with it being clergy, <clears throat> I'm out. I live out loud here. So all of my clergy colleagues here in Riverside, you know, I belong to a progressive clergy group that's predominantly Christian. There's some, uh, there's a couple of, or there is one rabbi as part of it, but they're, they all know who we are, you know, and it's wonderfully open and accepting and everything. And the, and the, the community too, Riverside CSL was wonderful as well. We have trans folk, we have LGBTQ, you know, we have LGBT, we have all of it. So you know, it's, it's great. And so we're doing, we just before COVID started, the LGBTQ group in Riverside County was starting to meet at the center. Uh, the center was starting to meet at the center. And then of course, with the pandemic, then everything got shut down. So they're on hiatus right now too, but I look forward to their return as well. So tell me, I know you talked about coming to an awareness of unconditional love. Tell me more about your journey as a mystic when you have felt no separation between you and our our creator. And if you can recall a moment where separation totally disappeared and you were in oneness. Yeah. So I came to Science of Mind through body work. I was a massage therapist as well. And so it was the very first time I had placed my hands on somebody with the intent of nurturing and healing. And that's when I really like, wow, okay, mind, body, spirit connection here. And so going deeper into that, I became a cranial sacral therapist as well. And it was doing cranial sacral therapy. It was actually laying on a table receiving a session. And all of a sudden, I had an awareness of me. Like there was this awareness, but yet everything dissolved. And I was, there was just this floating sensation. And there was this light, like, like twinkly lights everywhere. But there was just this connectedness of this wholeness that I was aware of it. I was conscious of it, but yet, I was one with all of it. And it was Mm -hmm. one of the most transformative, powerful words. Don't even begin to describe it because, you know, when we have those numinous experiences, really they're ineffable. It's like the words just, just, they just fail, you know. Um, But being in that consciousness and that oneness and feeling absolutely no separation, the interconnectedness of all life, the eternality of life and Uh, just the vibrancy and the peace and the stillness and the love. It was blissful, you know, just blissful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure our audience wants to follow you and your activities and want to find out what upcoming activities you have happening at Riverside or in the greater Inland Empire that you would like to share with our international audience. Yeah, so um, we are starting spirit groups here at Riverside Center for Spiritual Living. It's a small group ministry. So that's the first thing, first thing that's coming up. We are currently working with a group called Anti-Racist Riverside, and we are working to uh, make sure Riverside recently declared racism a health crisis. 
And so we are working to make sure that that declaration is included in the city's strategic plan moving forward and all aspects of the strategic plan moving forward. So that's the biggest thing we're working on right now is that. So that's big. It it is big. It is big because we're looking at policy. We're using the group together. We are looking, we're using Ibram X. Kendi's How to Be Anti-Racist. And rather than just like thinking of it as a intellectual exercise, right? We're applying it and applying it in real ways at our local government and making a difference that way. So the easiest way to get plugged in with us and our community is RiversideCSL.org. Brilliant, brilliant. So happy to hear that. So happy to get to see you a little bit more, to know you a little bit more. I got a sense of who you were and I've been loving it. And I'm just really glad you said yes to coming on Mystic Magic. Oh, and I am thrilled and honored to be asked and to be invited. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. We belong to each other. We are sister and brother. We are siblings with one source. We express from the same force. There is no good and evil when it comes to love. There is no lesser and greater from the viewpoint above. We live in God with or without an earthly home. We know its presence. Away from it, we will never roam. We will not leave a soul behind in this human race. For we each seek to see God's loving face. We are supported by Divine Mother. With gender or without, there is no other. Be you red, white, yellow, brown, or black. The presence of love you will never lack. So open the cages and forego the rages. Release the incarcerated for those crimes that are overrated. Mind your own business when it comes to preference, for God is our only reference. Separation is just an illusion created by those trapped in confusion. So we free ourselves to be filled with glee, just as our creator intended us to be. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to check out our show notes for more information about this episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and all your favorite podcast venues. Be sure to tune in next week when my topic is surviving the storm. If this show has been a blessing for you, please feel free to support the show. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. (laughs) 